0: Episode 83 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world and fandom of Avatar. I'm Kayla. And I'm Andre. And today we'll be discussing the role that the Avatar played within the Avatar universe. So, in this episode, we will be getting spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, the Legend of Korra, and the rise and shadow of Kiyoshi. So, before we get into the news and the episode discussion, how are we doing today, Andre?
1: I'm doing really well. Um, I'm feeling a lot better, as you can probably tell by my voice. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, doing a lot better. Unfortunately, uh, yes, I did get my boyfriend and my sister sick because they also they live with me. So it's it was kind Y'all of You all breathe the same air. Inevitable. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, you know what they... Uh, I expected Chris, but Sophia, you know, I was like, you're hanging out with me. Like, it's it's going to happen. She's like, no, I'll be fine. I never get sick. And now yeah it's crazy (laughs) yeah apparently there's like some sort of like spring cold going around like I, everyone I tell that I've been sick they're like oh yeah it's going around my work and my kids at school and everything I'm like I don't know um yeah definitely it was it's not COVID. uh did an at-home test and a test at patient first everything's cool with that I was like oh my god it finally got me (laughs) because I haven't been sick in like literally like two and a half years yeah right but um but yeah doing doing a lot better so i'm just just trying to get into the flow of the things I've, I've been playing like nurse while also just trying to work so it's it's been a little draining but i've had a lot of time to catch up on my on my podcast so um so yeah everything's been everything's been pretty pretty okay uh how's the move good. going
0: you know good um you know now it's kind of like Because a lot of things are kind of wrapping up this week. So by the time that this podcast is uh, released, I will be done school. I just finished handing my assignment the other day. I will be done my graduate assistantship and my coaching job. So I have like the most free time I've ever had in my life the next two weeks. So that gives me plenty. Thank you. Plenty of time to get my apartment in order. So eventually I can take this virtual background (laughs) off and the, Patrons can see what it looks like behind me. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um But yeah, I'm really excited about it. I have some fun posters to hang up. I just got a new print from my boss uh, as a going away gift, so that was really sweet. And you know, it's nice to kind of have my own space and have more wall space to decorate it how I please. You know, that's awesome. I'm really happy. And I'm getting for the you. TV. I have my own TV. It's like my childhood dream come true having my own <laughs> like. <laughs> it's so dumb that like some of the things that are just making me happy right now, but I don't care.
1: No, not dumb at all. It's it's something to be excited about for sure. And are, are are you actually getting to to walk this year for when you graduate?
0: I, I walked last year too, uh but it's like a okay. more regular ceremony where I don't have to wait behind the fucking like engineering college and all the other colleges right. that are graduating same day as me. Like they all smooshed it into like one ceremony. One day, and I yeah. was out, I was out in the parking lot. I should have, I I should have just waited to show up i was there way way earlier than i should have been mm-hmm. like we were outside in the parking lot outside the football stadium for like two hours before we even walked into the stadium for like just getting our names called gosh nightmare but at least like with how it goes with like graduations but in under semi-normal circumstances right now um we're all going to be my my college is going to be graduating in just one ceremony in the coliseum and Hopefully that means it goes a a little quicker. That would be nice. (laughs) But at least I'm the first ceremony of the weekend. And that makes me very happy. (laughs) So (laughs) it'll stink to get up early and drive. But you know what? The rest of the day is mine. And there's going to be no traffic getting there. So, you know, that's that's fine by me. (laughs) But yes, to answer your question, I am very excited about all the good things going on.
1: (laughs) Good, good. We're all rooting for you, Kayla.
0: Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well,
1: let's get into um, some uh, news here. So we have even more casting news coming out of the Netflix Live Action Series. C.S. Lee has been cast as Avatar Roku. And um, to me, this came a a bit of a surprise um, since they're about halfway through filming the first season. Um, Like we've had some smaller casting announcements come out. Um, recently but I mean Avatar Roku is a, is a pretty big um, you know f- character and I think we might have like touched on it together Kayla off the air but I think we were talking about how like you know it was kind of noticeable how Avatar Roku hadn't been cast yet and we were talking about like theorizing that like Kiyoshi would be what Roku was to Aang in the animated show um, and that might still be the case Um, but I, I don't know if, if like the reason CS Lee has been cast this late is because they were having a hard time finding Roku or it just wasn't that much of a priority. Um, so I'm, I'm just interested to, to see how, um, Roku will play a role in this version of the show. Um, but what did you, what did you think when, when you saw the, the casting news break?
0: Um, I mean, kind of like, again, similar to you kind of surprised that they casted this late and I know they were almost halfway done filming. So like, you know, uh, cause especially because we hadn't really heard a whole lot from the last year from the live action series in a mm-hmm. while. So, hey, I mean, I need to like, you know, I can get on this. Right. Um, right. I don't really have too many thoughts on this kind of, you know, just kind of like, huh, interesting. You know, I only really have too many strong feelings about it, you know? <laughs> yeah if i'm
1: remembering correctly and i could be very wrong i think they're supposed to wrap in the end of towards the tail end of the summer that makes so, sense yeah i think i think that's that's what i saw i could be wrong um but yeah so um otherwise i mean great casting as usual like it's still going strong uh the casting choices they're making so
0: yeah absolutely and in more Avatar news, our friends over at The Legend of Genji have released the first chapter of Story of the Legend of Genji. And at this time that this episode will be released, so, you know, on Tuesday, by then, the second chapter will be available. It'll be... Uh, I'm super excited to read it. I read, you know, we've read the first part, and I'm just blown away by how much, like, You know, you you could tell how much time and effort and love they put into it and just by like the first chapter of it. Um, And they did a pretty good job introducing, um, you know, kind of where the world's at right now and a little bit of our main character. And I am just very excited to see where the story goes from here. And yeah, you can go follow them over on the Instagram at the legend of Genji official. And there will be some links to take you over to the web comment, which is available for free. So go check that out, guys
1: absolutely friends of the pod episode. legend of genji yes and yes, also and,
0: check out their episode
1: <laughs> yes if you want to know more about the legend of genji we actually did interview the creators and writers of the legend of genji that's back in episode i'm gonna say 40 think, something yeah, it's yeah, in the I 40s it's
0: 43
1: 43 yeah okay. that looks looks about right let me just scroll through yeah 43 yeah
0: and then also um, in the trailer for, uh, you know, for book What I'm Legend of Genji, we actually have another friend of the pod being featured, uh, the composer from Team Avatar Films. Uh, yes. Marty is supposed to be is actually the composer for the music on there. And actually, I think you can listen to the song on Spotify. So go check that out and also check out Team Avatar Films' episode. See, two plugs of Friends of the Pod. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> yes. Yes. So awesome. I think that's all our news. And like we predicted last time we got together, uh, a you know stream where it's nothing you know (laughs) when it comes to the avatar news so i guess we'll have little to no news next week Um, you know unless they suddenly decide to break the cycle we've been predicting and suddenly everything happens next week so yeah we'll see we'll see (sighs) we shall see but ready to get into the main discussion
1: Yes. Um, so yeah, we just uh, we're looking for a good topics episode to to talk about, and we we've been kind of touching on this in our Legend of Korra discussion, and I think we'll continue to touch on it um, the more we watch Korra and when we get into the Yang Chen novels. But we wanted to talk about um, the role of the Avatar in terms of you know what role does the Avatar play in society in the political world of that society. Uh spiritually, just every facet, you know how we like to do the topics of episodes, just kind of explore every facet and see what kind of discussion we can have from it. Um, but of course, just to set the scene, uh, obviously in every generation, the avatar's role is to maintain balance by mastering all four elements and to be the spiritual bridge between humans and spirits. Now, to set up the conversation, I wanted to go through three avatars that we got substantial um, Material from in terms of What their role was As an avatar at the time That they were the avatar Um, So we're going to start with Avatar Kiyoshi, Kayla do you want to Take it away and start with this discussion?
0: Yeah absolutely Um, So well Kiyoshi essentially has Been has to kind of pick up The mess of the situation uh, Not just her predecessor but also the decisions Made by The people that were closest to him and other world Leaders um and like dealing with like kind of picking up after an avatar that people that you know kind of shat all over and you know once we kind of learn why we don't really shit on him anymore um but she also dealt with like i mentioned before some of the uh consequences of not finding the avatar sooner um i guess you could find i guess you could kind of describe it as that because like i don't know it's It's interesting the situation that led to Kiyoshi being found, though, because like what could, you know, Yun have done as a kid when he was found, you know? Um, But there's, you know, imbalance found with like handling political issues within the Fire Nation in the second book and handling spiritual matters of her own, especially with Yun becoming that fusion of, you know, dark spirit and human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, of course, dealing with the underworld, you know, kind of the criminals of the underworld, uh, the criminal underworld of the universe at that time, yeah, um, for sure. And those are the ones that I kind of think of off the top of my head. Like, I mean, I think every Avatar has a balance between, you know, the political and the, you know, dip- mm-hmm. diplomatic and the combative and the spiritual. Like, I think those are the kind of like, the three main tiers, I guess you could say, of being an Avatar. Oh,
1: definitely, definitely. Yeah, I think, I think out of all. Out of all the avatars we're going to discuss today, I think there's there always comes a point somewhere along their journey where they have to decide to take action or to kind of find another way around it. And I think Kiyoshi was in that predicament quite a bit. Um, Rise of Kiyoshi was more about just her realizing her own destiny as an avatar. And I think Shadow Kiyoshi kind of dealt more with uh, the what role she means. was playing in that world and what that means, exactly. Um, And, you know, if for Kiyoshi, it definitely meant doling out some sort of vigilante justice, almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was definitely kind of like what she was going for, like taking things into her own, her own hands. Um, But as we see at the beginning of that novel, like she does all that, but she neglects herself. She doesn't take care of herself. She doesn't sleep. She doesn't eat. You know, um,
0: and also and it also kind of neglects her spiritual side too, a little bit, especially at the beginning of Shadow. Right, Kiyoshi.
1: right, kind of thinking like I don't really need that to beat up these bad guys, you know. Um, so and it definitely takes a toll on the relationships around her too. So I think mm-hmm. what I love about just cause sort of Kiyoshi's arc as an avatar is just seeing her trying to find that balance between what, what, who is she as an avatar and who is she as kiyoshi i think out of kind of all the three of these that we're going to talk about i think kiyoshi is the one that we see deal with that a little bit more um and she also was put in a very you know precarious situation with the whole fire nation thing like the fire nation quickly descending into civil war if she you know attacks the wrong person um but i think you know it's
0: like it's a it's a it's a particular i mean from a storytelling perspective it is a Perfect challenge for her. Oh, yeah. um Because she can't just go in, you know, I don't want to say guns blazing here, but, you know, fireballs and, yeah. you know, airbending slice jokes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, she, she like, you know, I mean, you know, kind of, yeah, it's just a very difficult situation for her with just how she is as an avatar. And then we see yeah. kind of a similar situation with Korra where she's, you know, she's ready to, you know, also throw hands and throw down and just like, you know, who do I need to fight on this? And I'm not saying, you know, like she does, you know, I'm not, I'm not just saying that's all who she is as a character. Cause again, mm-hmm. it's a lot, of, a lot of people would like to say, but there is definitely some similarities between their situations where she can't just punch people in the face. Uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think if you strip away the avatar title, I think you get someone who is, um, very insecure and not confident in herself i think kiyoshi finds her confidence through who through her avatar hood you know Mm. i think she can throw down with all these bad guys you know talk to world leaders like they're idiot babies but like it is is like fumbling at the mouth talking to her girlfriend you know so like yeah i kind of love that about kiyoshi of that hard exterior and, and that that confidence that she knows what she's doing when it comes to being the avatar, but kind of like any facet of her life is like, not, is not like, yeah. you know, but as, also seeing as solid. Her
0: watching her build that kind of like protective armor for herself, you know, because at the beginning of the rise of Kiyoshi, she, you know, kids were picking on her and she didn't do anything. You know, she like, she didn't step forward and hit them in the face, you know, but yeah, I think like kind of her role just, like, I mean, again, it, it kind of gets boiled down to her dealing with having a role that has three different pieces to it, you know, learning to fight, but also learning to, you know, handle the spiritual side of things, but also learning to be a diplomat of sorts and trying to find balance through diplomacy is in addition to, you know finding balance of the use of the elements or, you know, her spiritual power.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And I think, especially with the situation with Kurik, I think, you know, because of his, to other people inaction, action, um, it kind of made the avatar after him be put in a weird position of trying to regain that respect that people have for their avatar. And I think, That was something Kiyoshi struggled with as well, just kind of, especially when she was in the Fire Nation and, like, didn't know all the rules and the manners and felt like she was constantly, like, embarrassing herself, right? It was, it kind of, like, spoke to the fact, like, you know, the people of this world right now aren't, like, you know, Avatar, okay, you know, whatever. So what? And even before, you know, we found out that Yun wasn't the right Avatar, I mean, Yun was, was going out and, you know, doing, like, diplomatic missions, but it wasn't, like... You know, it was really a figurehead sort of situation. He wasn't really exacting a whole lot of change, you know. And then
0: also, like, you know, seeing how easily all of whatever he did kind of dissipated under when Kiyoshi, you know, was announced the next Avatar. Right. And also just, like, having to kind of also prove in a, another another aspect of proof because, like, you know, the people already lost faith in the Avatar because of, you know apparently what the other person before her had uh, before her had done but also like they picked the wrong avatar yeah. and like you know that is another thing that puts like a bit of shaky faith in the position you know yeah
1: yeah and I think we if we got a third kiyoshi novel, I think that would be a continuous theme of of kiyoshi trying to gain respect uh not through fear I think that's how she thinks she gets respect from people is to scare them um into submission Mm -hmm. um but i think if we ever did get that third novel i think it would it would be that continuous theme of her trying to find ways to have people like respect the avatar again you know Mm -hmm. so absolutely um, so moving on to Avatar Aang, um, obviously he was in a very unique situation as the world at that point had learned to operate without an avatar. You know, there had been no avatar for 100 years. People had, you know, forgot about the avatar and get kind of had learned to move on without it. Um, and Like
0: multiple generations without an avatar.
1: Multiple generations, yeah. And Aang was not... A- Aang was put in the position of not only ending a war, but also because of, of the absence of the Avatar, he also had to reintroduce himself to the world as the Avatar. So he kind of had a similar situation to Kiyoshi where he was trying to gain the respect that, uh, that people should have for the Avatar. But also, because he was the last of his people, he also by proxy kind of became like, almost like an
0: Air Nation ambassador, almost. Like, re- he kind of You kind of, especially with the foundation of Republic City and the representatives on the council, yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah, he was the representative of this whole entire culture, and I think that that definitely like colored his uh, choices and interactions with people, Um, and especially like as we see in the storm episode, like there are a lot of people that think that the avatar like willingly left them to the mercy of the Fire Nation. Um, So I mean, there's there's a lot that Aang has to contend with as an avatar in this time. Um, and I think it, it speaks to, you know, kind of like the, the flexible job description of the avatar based on what the world is dealing with at the time.
0: That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think of that with like, you know, what does, you know, how they, like, you know, how they meet the needs of the world that they're living in. Yeah. Um. Even though they're all technically the same person, you know, they're reincarnations of each other. But also, I do think that there was, like, um, I remember it was, like, a joke from uh, Monica yu about, like, uh, you know, the creation of the next Avatar. So it's, like, the Avatar after her. okay, she needs to, like, be, like, she needs to last longer than this guy. She needs to do this, this, and this. But it did also get me kind of thinking about, like, what kind of, you know... Uh, I mean, I know that like people aren't just like born fully formed, obviously. Yeah. Um. This equal is like I don't know. It just feels. It made me wonder, like, you know, how the avatar cycle works and like kind of what. You know, I'm trying to find the right words to describe this. I, I apologize for kind of stumbling over my thoughts here. But no, that's
1: okay. I'm trying to hang on. I'm not. I'm not quite getting. I'm thinking
0: <laughs> about like the what the world needs, what the next generation needs, and what kind of personality traits and abilities that the next avatar will have to meet those needs. And like, oh, if I, that sort of stuff is pre-considered, you oh, know?
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, I understand that now. Um, so. so- <laughs> we got there it's okay we got there Um, it's been
0: my brains have put through the blender today so i'm sorry guys No, that's
1: okay um that i guess that just depends on whether like it's just time itself in this world is like sort of like predestined i guess i don't know like does rava i mean because rava is a like a an immortal spirit and kind of exists the spirit world kind of exists out of time like you Mm -hmm. know as there have been mentioned a couple of times, like time works differently in there. Um, So I wonder if you're right, if Rava does have some sort of foresight in what is going to happen to the world and the kind of person that needs to be the Avatar in that time, if that's all predestined or it just kind of happens the way it does. That's a really, really good question.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, But I think...
0: I was going to say, maybe it's better that we don't know exactly how it works. I don't know. Sometimes not everything needs to be explained, but you said you were saying it's interesting and then I cut you off. (laughs) No, I was just
1: going to say, I think it's interesting um, because Eng had been gone so long and this war has gone on and and ruined so many lives. He also served as sort of like a beacon of hope for a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe not as much as like, you know, people in Kiyoshi's time saw her as like a beacon of hope necessarily. You know, I think people were really counting on Aang to end this war. Um, And I think we definitely saw the pressure and uh, the toll that took on him. And like a lot of people's like just happiness and quality and quality of life was like hanging on this 12 year old kid, you know? Um, So I think I, he had a very interesting part to play in the time that he was in, and I think I think it's interesting too because I I remember in, in Shadow of Kyoshi, if I'm remembering correctly, you know when they were telling us about Avatar Zato, they were kind of saying like you know in terms of like world events, like everything was like pretty much okay, and that's why Zato dedicated all that time to, um, you know, sort of revolutionizing. The Fire Nation, in terms of just you know, just the system and their governments and how it was ran, um. So it was kind of like a, I don't know. I guess a, a now less that makes me even more time. interested,
0: and that makes me even more interested in hearing about you know, reading the Yang Chen book. Yeah, uh, that makes me even more interested by that. Now I'm just like, oh right, yeah. what you know, I don't know.
1: <laughs> and I, I want to touch on this too out of Kyoshi and Korra, Aang doesn't really have to contend with roku's reputation
0: yeah that's right i think roku doesn't
1: have a whole lot of reputation and i think it's 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 definitely due to the fact that there's a hundred year gap in between i definitely think that plays a role but mm-hmm. i don't think there's there's ever a moment where someone's like Avatar Roku would have done this, you know. I don't think Aang has to kind of live up to any sort of Avatar I don't even think he even needs to live up to like what Yang Chen would have done, you know? I think I think because of that gap, it it granted him this like a this space to to form his own avatar hood without having to contend with what came before him, you know, because he I was I, handed a pretty like shitty situation, you know.
0: Yeah. And also like, you know, I think if anything, he's kind of has to contend with like what the world thinks he should be as opposed yeah. and like, you know, and also kind of, you know, contending with the decision that he made to run away and people's perception and fighting against people's perceptions of him because of that decision. You know? Right.
1: And I wonder if if his perception would have been different if it was um more if there was more public knowledge just about how Roku could have prevented the Hundred Years War. Like I think yeah. whatever went on between him and Sozin I think it was it was not something a whole lot of people knew. Um, I
0: don't think that yeah, I don't think they knew about like the confrontation of the volcano. I think they just know that he or just died. even
1: or just even the fact that Roku and Susan Susan knew each other. Um, I don't yes, think,
0: because like wasn't Susan's like story kind of buried? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't
1: I don't think that was that was a, a a thing that was taken into account. So I don't know if if. It had been more public in the fact that, oh, Roku could have like stopped Sozen before anything happened if maybe people would have carried that over to Aang and be like, you're the reason that this war is happening. But they're already kind of saying that about him because he was gone for that long and they think it's his fault that the war is happening. So,
0: or continuing rather.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was, it's interesting to kind of like just look at and compare what Aang had to contend with in his past lives, which was really nothing <laughs> like he had the space to kind of just form his own avatar hood. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
0: yeah.
1: I think that's good on Aang. Let's move on to Korra.
0: Yeah. So Korra also has a, pre- I mean, every avatar is a unique situation that they're put in. It's a different world. Every time a new avatar arrives. Um, but during her time as avatar that we've seen, uh, takes place during a time where media coverage has become a major thing, as well as improvements to technology that makes non-benders on a more even playing ground to benders. And, of course, the harnessing of spiritual energy, which some have drawn comparisons to the atomic bomb. Um, and also the fact that like a culture that has been gone for over 100 years is, has come back, uh, or rather the ability, you know, airbenders have come back and now, like, you know, kind of a restarting the air nation essentially um and then also kind of seeing those airbenders in action who who kind of took over of balancing the world while Korra was away recovering from her encounter with Zaheer and the rest of the you know red lotus so um and like I said the evolution in technology and communication it's it's new challenges for the avatar she's not just you know a spiritual leader or a really good, you know, fighter to help deal with conflict and stuff like that. She's also a figurehead. Yeah. Something that, um, Aang and other avatars didn't really have to deal with as much because, you know, like now in, in Korra's world, they have movers, they have, uh, radio, they have newspapers and word. And even the, you know, like it just makes word travel much faster, which means a different kind of, and probably even just probably more intense kind of pressure of her performance because anyone can hear very quickly across you know the world what she's doing as an avatar.
1: Absolutely. And I think because of that her influence is even greater than Absolutely. the avatars before her. Um, and I, mean, I think look
0: th- at the press conference.
1: <laughs> right. And I think that presents unique challenges to Korra as an avatar. Just the fact that her influence is, is much wider than uh, Aang and Kiyoshi's. Um, and I think she had to contend with the fact that the playing field was being leveled in terms of of you know the power scales being more akin to what an avatar could do. With the harnessing of spiritual energy and the fact that non-benders were also finding ways to... Meet benders where they're at in terms of just like walking co- technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I definitely think the evolution of technology and communication definitely has a, a big effect in the role that Cora plays in this world. I think it largely, I think boils down to like just influence. You know, when she when she kept the the spirit portals open, you know, she was making a a big decision on behalf of the entire world and she said like you know the spirits are here to stay we have to learn how to live with them them and that's then that's a pretty big overarching decision that impacts a lot of people in that world you know and we only saw really how it affected republic city like and made you know parts of the city inhabitable like it it was it was a big inconvenience for a lot of people um and even though like in the end like it was like the right decision you know it it presented a lot of challenges for just like kind of everyday people. Um and I think a lot of people and they even talk about season three like her approval rating is like below the president That's or something. Right. You know, I so about it's, that. so it's it's crazy that we've gotten like it gets to that point where I mean, she is a political figure more than anything, especially in Republic City. You and know? also,
0: like people recognizing that influence, she might understand not understand how much influence she has, but Tarlock especially knew yeah. exactly what what buttons to press, what people to call in. You know, it's use like especially using the press conference, uh, you know, to get. Cora on his side knowing what public perception would be if she didn't you know using that to his advantage and other people using that to their advantage like I mean I think even you know President Reiko even tried you know trying to get be chummy with Cora and then eventually when she decided it kind of goes against what he wants then exactly you know yeah yeah I'm trying to think of other instances where that's happened, but you know. Well, I I'm
1: thinking about like in season two when she's marching with the Southern that's Water right. Tribe in I Republic forgot. City, like taking a, a a blatantly political stand is a, a giant thing in in this world as an avatar too. You know, because it and I Coverage. think it gets touched on. I think it was it's a it's a dangerous thing to almost like alienate a certain portion of the population when the avatar is meant to kind of stand for everybody. Exactly. Um so I think that that, you know, was a very precarious situation that Korra was in but it was again a thing of influence right if the avatar backs this movement then maybe this movement has a chance to succeed you know and i think that's exactly what tarlock was thinking too like his whole thing was mobilizing benders against the non the um non-bending Equalist, revolution but also yeah.
0: you know that right. i even like yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so I definitely think the big word here for Cora is influence 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 I think it for played sure. a, a giant role in what she had to do as an avatar absolutely um, yeah and I think it was where, where Aang was sort of like a Air Nation ambassador, Korra almost became like the Spirit World ambassador. <laughs> almost, I didn't even
0: think of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Like it,
1: it, she kind of she. I mean, I guess technically all avatars are because they're supposed to be the bridge in between. Um, but when that bridge that bridge is kind of Taken not down. needed anymore, you know yeah. that that sort of again shifts the job description of what an avatar needs to do, right?
0: Because I did talk about like you know the avatar is not supposed to be the bridge between the two worlds. Yeah, You know, like, I don't, I don't know the exact wording here, but, you know, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but I yeah. Think, I think we covered Cora pretty well there, right? Yeah. And I'm so, sure that as we go more into the series, like that, this discussion might come up again for Cora.
1: Oh, definitely. Um, But yeah. Cool. So we're going to be discussing even further, uh, but we're going to take a quick break and we'll see you guys after that.
0: Hey, everyone. Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. All right. And we're back with a further discussion on the role of the avatar within the Avatar universe. So we kind of wanted to talk a little bit about some of the real world influences that go into, you know, the creation of the role of the avatar. And it's based on the Buddhist Dalai Lama, who is the head monk of Tibetan Buddhism. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Dalai Lama is the head monk of Tibetan Buddhism. I cannot do words tonight. I am very sorry. Let's try that again. (sighs) the dalai lama is the head monk of tibetan buddhism and traditionally has been responsible for governing tibet until the chinese government took over in uh you know 1959 but before 1959 his official residence was at patala palace in Lhasa, the capital of tibet
1: and i try to look up what like the role of the dalai lama is and it's still it's kind of vague um as i could find it the dalai lama is the world's leading buddhist voice but he's not the world leader of buddhism uh there are many different traditions of buddhism and each has its own leaders so there's no overall head like the pope um technically the dalai lama is not even the leader of the tibetan buddhist school he's a member of it um, but he is the unquestioned leader of the Tibetan people and is the most famous Buddhist teacher in the world and one of humanity's moral and spiritual leaders. Um, so this kind of dovetails into some discussion questions we're going to get into here. Just at the idea of the avatar as a world leader. Um, we kind of talked about already how the avatar, I think, uh, influences public consciousness, ideals, how people just feel about, you know, world events in general but i want to just touch on the subject of, of morality and whether you think one the avatar should serve as a moral compass for the world and two whether you think rava plays a role in an avatar's moral decisions because she's supposed to be the spirit of light and good and peace how much of that do you think is like you know reflected in the decisions of that avatar
0: um, I'm going to say that, hmm. I honestly, like, I feel like there's still, even though like they've introduced uh, lore that help explains, uh, av- you know, what the avatar is and how the avatar started. I feel like it also raises a lot of questions with it, too. Yeah. And that's definitely a good question as a part of that. It also makes me wonder if like other avatars were aware of Rava or, you know, was it just Cora, because she had to reconnect to her past lives when going back to the first avatar.
1: You know. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I know in I know in Atla there are several mentions of Ings Avatar Spirit. Um, so we learned that the Avatar itself is like is I think even in the Avatar Wiki says the Avatar is half spirit. You know, they're half human, half spirit. Um, so I I just wanted to ask the question: Like, does Rav does Uh, Rava play a role in like just the morality of that avatar because I just want to know like if you know Rava is the spirit of light peace and goodness does that mean that every decision the avatar makes aligns with that or does it influence their decisions or does it do you feel like just completely almost robs them of their agency to like make a morally Bad decision like I don't I don't know if what I'm saying makes any sense but Basically like can an avatar Be bad if they want it to Or is it like it get like Completely in their nature to do The right thing out of good And peace all the time
0: I mean avatars have made bad decisions that have Cost people their lives um, You know in the past I think mm-hmm.
1: um, But that's more like Negative repercussions. There wasn't yeah. like any like hostility or good. I guess point. evil behind it.
0: You know. I'm going to say that when it comes to Rava's influence, I'm going to say it's like light and unnoticeable. Like light, not just in the sense of like being good, but also in the sense of like not immediately detected. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. When, like... I don't think it would feel like Rava directly taking over and be like, "Yes, yeah, is the right thing to do." I think more so, it's just like, yeah, they have a lights, They have you know. A light spirit as part of them. I think there's got to be some part of them. That's because they are part light spirit that they, you know, yeah, they get, they get angry and they want to lash out and they, you know, all that stuff sometimes, but like, they don't really, they don't deep down really don't want to cause harm. And I think that Rava is part of that deep down.
1: Mm, yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's just this question of morality is interesting to me because what does happen if an avatar, you know, starts making decisions out of uh, just an evil nature that's just in the person to begin with or could that even be possible like yeah. i don't i don't know if that could even be possible if you're you know if your other half is the spirit of of light and peace so i guess not um mm-hmm. but but i don't know i i think my question is also motivated because there are like several fan works out there about the avatar being evil and i just mm-hmm. wonder if like that's even in canon possible you well, know we
0: got we got inovatu so i think that's the only existence of a dark avatar that we've seen in canon
1: well yeah but then in that case like if yeah if that if the dark avatar was a thing what happens if the dark avatar like stops being evil or like can they even stop being evil like i guess like where does the agency start and begin i guess i don't know
0: I'm just, I I'm just I just okay. keep asking
1: questions, and there's no answers. I'm just so. like, uh, yeah,
0: <laughs> we're like talking ourselves into like the tree of time walls here. We're just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If anyone
1: has <laughs> any thoughts about the endless questions that, yeah, asking... we, however,
0: we do really actually like. I mean, especially because we have a couple of pretty big discussion questions here. If you guys have thoughts on these questions or even on anything that we've discussed in the episode, like feel free to send it our way. You know, we'd love to hear what everyone thinks and we're we'll definitely have a mailbag episode planned in the coming weeks. So that would probably be a great place for us to yeah. discuss what you guys think of uh, some of the things we're talking about today. So uh, yeah. stay tuned to the end of the episode for information on how to do that.
1: Yeah. Um. So moving on from, from that question.
0: Yeah. Right. That's like, oof. do big, we think brain question?
1: Yeah. Do we think, <laughs> Because the avatar can bend the four elements, do we think that the avatar has any sort of influence on bending traditions, bending styles?
0: It kind of feels like what came first the chicken or the egg, you know? Mm-hmm. Because we do see like the first avatar being influenced by the dragons for the style right. of bending. Right. Um, and I'm assuming that he probably learned from the other animals too, you know, the badger moles and you know the sky bison and stuff to form his bending so i guess we can we can kind of draw that from the avatar learning from those animals and other benders learning from those animals um but huh i guess i don't know they both kind of feed into each other
1: Mm -hmm.
0: you know yeah. Like other people's bending traditions. Obviously, the avatar has to learn all the elements, which means different bending styles and different traditions. And then, you know, maybe from those things they can make their own. I think honestly, like I'm gonna say, yes, they do influence bending traditions, but I don't think that it's as I think let me rephrase that. I think that the avatar will have a bigger influence on bending traditions as the influence of the avatar grows, like what we talked about. Mm. Um, I think that is more plausible in this more technologically, technologically advanced world that we're getting into in the Avatar universe. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, if you were asking me during <laughs> Kiyoshi's time, um, actually, Kyoshi does have a point there because she learned dust stepping, which, however, she did learn that from other people. So I don't know. It's kind of also kind of I feel like I'm chasing, you know, chasing my tail in this like, It's kinda I think honestly my answer is yes and no for it. Like, yes, they can influence bending styles, but they're not the only influence.
1: I think, yeah, I think that I think they can influence bending styles indirectly. I'm thinking of how Iroh drew inspiration on on like firebending techniques based on the idea of the balance of the four elements. And I think that the avatar is symbolic of that balance. And I think that idea that all the elements are in some way or another, all one and the same, I think can inspire people to look at bending differently. um, Especially because the different techniques and styles between the elements are so different. I think it's natural. And I think we see this in Korra. It's natural that people are, whether this was, you know, from the avatar, are not the fact that bending styles are becoming much more relational instead of segregated, I think I, think I is, is interesting the, to think about.
0: I also want to point out the mix, also of like the mix and melding of the salad bowl of culture that is Republic City. Uh, that's another thing that can also influence off of each other as well,
1: yeah. And that is something that Aang did, so I, I guess again, indirectly. You know, yeah. he can contribute to something like that.
0: I yeah, I think I can agree with that. It's more of an indirect influence than a overt influence. But maybe as you know, like time passes and you know, the avatar's influence gets bigger, maybe they would have a bit more of a hold uh influence on bending styles and traditions. Yeah, for sure. Um,
1: And then we're getting to our final segment here. I'd like to do a thought experiment and kind of discuss what it would be like to have an avatar in 2022 in our world.
0: Uh, I I know I have a question on here of whether the avatar would be an influencer in 2022. (laughs) And since we keep using the word influence so much, I'm going to say yes, but not quite in the sense of like... I don't know. Would the avatar be like, yes, an influencer in the sense of like, obviously having a lot of people paying attention to what they're doing. Yeah, and, I was gonna know, ask you like, that in what stuff. way? But I wouldn't be something like I know I don't think that they would even maybe be allowed to be like, hey, I love this. You know, I I'm endorsed but you know I'm in, you know I'm like this like this this is cult classic makeup thing that I is my favorite. I keep seeing the same fucking ad on my TikTok of for Amazon makeup finds. And like he referred to his cult classic stuff and I'm like, okay, I get it. I watch Rocky Horror stuff, but don't don't use that word like that. But, you know, I don't think that they would be that kind of influencer. I feel like they'd be more of an influencer in the way that like you could call like Barack Obama now as an influencer. Like he's got his podcast, he's got books, and Michelle Obama too also has books and a wide range of influence. I don't think they do a whole lot of commercials. So I don't know. It's I feel like they just have a lot of weight to their name now. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to find like <laughs> the right way to describe what I'm thinking right now.
1: I disagree. I think. Go for it. I think that they would be an influencer in every sense of the word, especially because I think the fact that, you know, in like, in like Cora's case, you know, she was a very public avatar at the age of seventeen. People her age, if it was if Cora was here now in twenty twenty two as the avatar, I think there would be people absolute avatar stands like they're gonna oh wanna... i I'd
0: not say that there weren't stands that wouldn't be stands. I'd <laughs> not say that. I did not, I was like, trust me, I know they, I mean, like, I did not say that they wouldn't be stands. I mean, no, nothing, I know. But like, yeah. uh,
1: but I think they would take the cue of like, if Cora wears something, everyone's going to want to wear it. If she oh, uses I a makeup s- line, yeah. but everyone's going to want to use would be,
0: it. I don't think that she would be like as overt about it, like pushing it directly. People would be going to probably find this stuff. Maybe I don't,
1: I don't know. I could see, I could see it like the avatar, like doing like vogue magazine photo shoots or something or like just being on the cover of the times or like i could definitely i don't know i, I, I
0: mean, could like, see I either like, way i'm not saying that she wouldn't be on magazines either i feel like i don't know i'm just i'm just right now for just imagining like the like the brand influencer stuff like she could be yeah. i mean she could because like i mean public figures end up on like magazines and stuff like that uh-huh. and without being you know directly endorsing a particular products I see so you don't
1: so you don't think Cora would be doing like ads for like Casper mattress or something or like honey or
0: she wouldn't be she wouldn't be doing ads for Squarespace Squarespace or (laughs) or yeah yeah I don't think she'd be doing that but she would be definitely interviewed on TV and um you know put in magazines and stuff and you know I think that would definitely be the case. You know, yeah, that's that's it, that's the that's the one detractor that I'm having. Everything else you can think of when you think of an influencer, absolutely, but just the product placement stuff, I don't think that she would even be like, I feel like if the White Lotus was kind of like helping her in this time, you know, yeah, which they would yeah. be like, you're not allowed to directly endorse products here. <laughs> like I think it would be
1: this might sound a little weird. I think it might be akin to something like AOC. Um, like I mean, the Avatar yeah. would it would, would be a political world figure, but it's also like the Avatar is like a person for the people almost. Yeah. You know? I think she would have the same kind of lore as an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez sort of person that is is, you know, they are a political figure, but they they don't they're not on this sort of sort of inaccessible pedestal
0: almost, yeah. That's exactly you know? what I was thinking. I, th- I, think, I, 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 I thought that Obama was the first things I thought of just with like their political influence, even yeah. when they're not holding public office. Yeah, I think you like know? the
1: way people celebritize politicians, politicians, like how politicians go on like the Jimmy Fallon show or or you know they do like the SNL. YouTube like lie detector quizzes or and SNL, yeah, like stuff like that. I think <laughs> that's.
0: What's the Yes, Avatar guys. Would Donald Trump doing. hosted SNL. <laughs> so yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah, definitely be hosting SNL and everything. So
0: yeah, I think it it's interesting. Cora would to... not be hosting SNL.
1: <laughs> Cora, no. <laughs> I don't think Cora would. Yeah. Um, but definitely an Avatar who was who was, you know, born into this world and kind of groomed to be a public personality, definitely. You know. For sure. Yeah. yeah. I think I think. People would would be greedy and find lots of ways to make money off of the avatar. I do also it can just like laugh and imagine what it would be like to have like uh, like a QAnon response to the avatar, <laughs> and it being like you know they're not actually the avatar. The real avatar is gonna fly the in a real... plane on this date or something like that. Yeah, like... the
0: real av- yeah, the real avatar. You know. Uh, Or even make it, you know, just another, just an insane thing that parallel to actually what's actually happening. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, Avatar Roku's going to come back and he's going to, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He didn't die. He's coming in on a plane. (laughs) JFK. (laughs) LaGuardia. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, definitely. Uh, Now that's going to start. Oh, they're not—they're not actually bending all four elements. Like it's CGI. <laughs> it's, it's CGI. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that. Oh my god! I just thought. Yeah. That the could flat be earthers, the earthers. The flat earthers, but for the Avatar. flat earthers
0: of Avatar.
1: <laughs> god.
0: Oh, that's a whole other rabbit hole
1: to get into. <laughs> oh my god. Um. But just again, go- going back to the you know, the Avatar being like a world figure, it, especially like in in our world, like what do you think like the avatar how would their role be defined in terms of like going between international governments right like essentially like this person this person yeah this person would be making decisions for an entire world you know it's like in in the avatar world there's only four but in this world there's hundreds of different governments and everything. So how would that even work with well, there's already one a million person- different governments
0: within the world of Avatar? The Earth Kingdom is split in two or True. at least it was for a, a time and now there's the there the Earth Empire and then I think whatever they're going to call it next when it's more democratic, you know. <sighs> yeah. Uh I mean I know that like av- the Avatar has a like I think honestly when it comes to things like
1: like, do you think the avatar should be allowed to, like, make foreign policy or something? Like, do you think they should be a policymaker or, like, I think you they'd know? have
0: a seat at the table for it. But I think, um, well, I mean, we even kind of see the United Council, you know, the Council, uh, at least for, like, the first part of Korra when there was a council. Yeah. Um, Had more influence on decisions than she did, and even President Raikou had more of an influence on decisions than she did. Yeah, Uh, I don't.
1: Yeah, right. I feel like there's like there's like
0: there's like I feel like there's like a level like should be levels of like emergencies, you know, (laughs) of decisions. I'm pretty pretty sure there is even in that universe, just like a hierarchy of it.
1: I could see, I could see like the it kind of being like a, a Captain America Civil War situation where, you know, the Avatar can't intervene in any international events until it's, like, approved, like, by the UN or something. Like, like, there would be so much, like, red tape, I feel like, with the modern world avatar. You know, because it it, it can't just be this one person doing whatever they want among, like, hundreds of different countries and governments. Like, that's crazy to think about. But also, again, like, what sets, what is going to set them apart from, you know, like, the president of the united states or something you know yeah not much when you think yeah. about it
0: and this is the part where like you know someone trolls and feels like jesus christ it's a fictional universe why are you guys like he doesn't it's not that deep guys <laughs> <laughs> it, it is that deep
1: when it's it on the avatar deep. hour
0: podcast <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: we're here to get deep that's the point <laughs>
0: <laughs> i had to make that joke
1: uh, yeah. Maybe I
0: was just thinking to myself, maybe also maybe that just that troll just lives in my head because I was literally thinking to myself, I'm like, wow, we're really getting in deep on this.
1: <laughs> it's what we're here to do. It's what we're here to do.
0: <laughs> I love that. I love that. No complaints from me here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But I, I think that thought experiment could go on and on and on. But I think that's you know, like we're our, at an that's hour. I think yeah. it's time time to wrap it up.
0: I think, um, we can, I mean, that could, feels like it could be a whole other part too. Like, I feel like more things will come up as we can, as like especially because the Avatar universe is just going to get bigger from here. Yeah. Uh, you know, and the shelf life of this podcast has gotten much, much longer. <laughs> So <laughs> yeah. I feel like we're just going to keep chasing our tails, discussing this as we get more and more avatar media. And maybe even we'll revisit this after we read Shen's first book or oh, yeah, hopefully sure. it's first, you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. Um. But yeah, I think that wraps up our discussion. If you have any, any thoughts or any answers to our endless questions that we asked in this episode, um, feel free to send it to us, DM us, stay tuned until the end where you can get that information on where to send it. But for now, let's move on to Phantom Corner.
0: Yes. So this week, um, kind of dug into our archives of stuff. Uh, because I've turns out we've had an archive of stuff to look at <laughs> for Phantom Corner. Um, so this is from Tumblr, like usual, from Wish I Was Fiction. So this is back referring back to Atla. Uh specifically the flashback that occurs when um Zuko we find out how Zuko got his scar. And so we see that our first glimpse of azula in the crowd and ta- the title of the post is why did azula smile the first time we actually saw azula was in the storm she was presumably 10 or 11 years old at the time and she was a spectator placed at the front watching the acne kai between her brother prince suko and her father fire lord ozai the frame of when she's smiling it was just right after ozai had finished saying and suffering will be your teacher nothing had started no fight no exchange of attacks nothing just Zuko's desperate attempts to apologize to his father and refusing to engage in combat, which is basically groveling, and Ozai is berating him for it. You can see it in Iroh's eyes that he feared for Zuko after he saw his response. He had proudly accepted the Agni Kai and then refused to fight because his opponent was the Fire Lord, his father, despite being repeatedly instructed to fight for his honor. Iroh knew that this was the one action Zuko should not have done. So There's only three emotions that one can be expected towards a disgraceful, shamed prince groveling on the floor. Pity, disapproval, and pleasure. Iroh bore the first emotion, pity. He personally knew Zuko, and unlike everyone else, he had a soft spot for his nephew and could sympathize with him. The soldiers behind bore the second emotion, disapproval. They gave a disapproving look towards the sight of the prince begging. And finally, the third emotion, pleasure. Only as Az- Azula and Zhao seem to have been displaying any sense of pleasure from the scene. The second frame can be presumed the moment where Ozai is actually raising his hand to strike Zuko. Everyone else but Iroh seems to be fine with watching the Agni Kai between father and son. The people behind them look neutral and stoic to the scene as if they were well accustomed to these things, which they probably were. And the only two people who seem to be enjoying this were Azula and Zhao. Now that's where misconceptions show up. The fandom in general believe that Azula is sadistic and deriving pleasure from seeing her brother being burned in the face at the scene. However, they forget that Azula was around 11 at the time, an age where children don't generally mask their emotions well. And Azula and relationship by this point had turned bitter and sour. So there's plenty of reasons why a child would smile upon this kind of scene, especially someone who'd be benefiting from it. Um, you know, this time by, uh, sorry, let's try that again. Um, so yeah at this point Azula and Zuko don't like each other and so she sees this she's not let's see sorry I lost my train of thought this is a long post so I try to I'll try to trim it down here Um, Azula at this time had already viewed Zuko as unworthy of the throne and him disrespecting their traditions and most importantly their father was enough for her to not feel any sympathy for him it sounds horrible but why would you pity someone who feels deserves the punishment So it's, they said like, like the, uh, it seems that like Azula's hand is raised and clenched to a fist, like a fist pump almost. And this person said that the same logic during medieval times, Republic executions or retribution still existed, which is where at the stake people cheered, you know, it's humane, cruel and ruthless, but that's what happened. You know, they may not have been the one who was wronged by that person, but still please see a person punished because they felt that they deserved it. So she viewed Zuko as a lesser individual. They're not really in a good relationship um she saw that zuko had she knows that zuko had disrespected their father and now he's embarrassing his father by refusing to fight which he proudly accepted before so she simply saw that it was something that had to be done to teach zuko a lesson that's it what makes a person truly sadistic is they're truly simply finding pleasure in someone else's suffering despite not benefiting from any way whatsoever that's the key thing zhao is you know he's 30 plus years old at the time, grinning statistically at a 13 year old boy groveling and being burned by his own father. Zuko did not have any, you know, sorry, Zhao did not have any reason to resent or want Zuko removed from the line of succession. Like Azula did. Uh, he had no direct conflict with Zuko and nor did Zuko's action affect him whatsoever. Unlike Azula. So he's just grinning because he took pleasure in watching that spectacle. So he just doesn't seem to be entirely sadistic. That's basically the point of this post. Mm. <laughs> So excuse the super long post, but I'd never really thought of that scene in that particular way before.
1: Yeah, I think just the assumption that it was just Azula enjoying her brother being burred by her dad. But I think when put into the context of like, you know, like this is my in, you know, I think that makes a little bit more sense. Um, And I always forget that, yeah, Azula is technically only like 10 10 or 11. when this happened uh, and I never really stopped to consider that and just kind of like how that affects her as a kid. And I think maybe even like the smile could also just be masking the fear that she has, you know, cause if this could happen to Zuko, it'll happen to her or Good it can't happen point. to her, you know? So yeah, lots of things happening in that scene for sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's move on to our recommendations for the week. What do you got this week, Andre?
1: I recommend this uh, documentary on Netflix called White Hot. It's about the all the different like controversies surrounding Abercrombie and Fitch. Oh,
0: boy. Um, I did see a trailer for that. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I always knew that there was a lot of problematic shit going on with that company. I didn't know to what extent. Um, oh, Lord. And the documentary kind of delves into the fact that they... Pr- the company like prided themselves on exclusivity instead of inclusivity. Um, mm-hmm. And just pretty much flat out saying like our clothes are not for everybody. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's uh, just very interesting. Like it's a lot of people, you know, just talking about their experiences, like going to school whenever Car- Abercrombie Fitch was a thing and just past people who worked there and like what the conditions were like. And, and yeah, it was, it was just, it was crazy, but a very quick and entertaining documentary. So um, I would check that out. Yeah, definitely check it out if you're interested.
0: Nice. Well, my recommendation this week is a book because I have slowly started to get the free time to read books. We'll see how long this lasts. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I read this book called The Bone Spindle by Leslie Vedder. And essentially I could describe it as Sleeping Beauty meets Indiana Jones and is actually pretty damn queer. Um, Basically, like, you know, these two different adventurers are trying to they like they go on this quest and they find out about this ancient curse on prince briar so it's gender bent sleeping beauty and it goes from like a treasure hunt to find out what happened to the kingdom to saving the prince and there's you know it's queerness there's and it's also like if it's nice to it's just queerness is normal in the world like one of the characters you know was originally betrothed to another woman uh and you know and like I don't know. I'm just very happy with like the queer representation. It's just casual and good as it is. Uh, I'll always be happy to see that. And also just a really entertaining story. And, you know, you definitely get caught up in like the twists and turns of it. And it's a pretty easy read. You don't really need to have an encyclopedia to understand the world that it takes place in. And so if you'd like fairy tales and you know, Indiana Jones style archaeology adventures, uh, this is definitely the book for you. Awesome. Well, if you'd like to follow the Avatar Hour and see what we're up to, you could Follow us on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod, on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast, and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. And like I say every episode, we're always looking for fandom Corner entries, or if you'd like some to share your thoughts on what we talked about in this particular episode, send it our way to the DMs on the sites that I just mentioned, or you can email us at theavatarhourpodcast at gmail.com.
1: And as always, if you want just a little bit of extra of Avatar Hour in your life, then definitely consider signing up for our Patreon for as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month. You can access our show notes. You can listen to early access and add free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, and much, much more, including knowing what the heck we're going to talk about for month to month in advance. So if you... If you also sign up for the $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour. We recently just recorded an episode of that, and it was just us kind of like talking about our expectations for the Donnie Yang Chin, what we're expecting, what we want to see. So if you're interested in that, definitely go over to patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast and sign up today. Um, but that's it for us this week thank you guys so much for listening we will be back uh, next week for more Legend of Korra but until then my name is Andre and
0: I'm Kayla bye Hi, guys